Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello, Hello. and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Marjorie Salston, communication confidence coach. Marjorie empowers reluctant speakers to create clear, compelling messages to overcome fear of speaking and communicate with poise and confidence, whether they are talking to one person or 1,000 on stage, online, on the phone, and networking so they can reach their professional goals and share their gifts with the world. Marjorie was named Top Speaking Coach of the Year and Top Motivational Speaker of the Decade by the International Association of Top Professionals. She is the author of the number one international best-selling book, Empowering Business Owners to Overcome Speaking Fears, whether you're talking with one person or 1,000. Welcome, Marjorie. How are you today? I'm doing very well, and I thank you for inviting me. It's lovely. You're welcome. I'm happy to have you today. So can you share with my audience why you decided to focus on public speaking when there are so many other business topics you could have chosen? Well, a couple things. First of all, my very first business coach was Pamela Bruner. And one of the things that she said that I never forgot was that your mess is your message. Mm. That which you have to struggle to figure out is actually the right thing for you to help other people who have the same struggles. And I actually define public speaking, by the way, not the way most people do. Most people define it as giving a speech. Right. I'll define it as anytime you talk to somebody other than yourself. <laughs> and and as somebody who grew up as a shy introvert, uh, I have to tell you that a lot of times I didn't have actually trouble talking to groups, maybe because I, I in school I always wanted to get good grades, and if the teacher asked a question, my hand would go up and I would be you know, <laughs> pontificating on whatever the answer was. But, you know, calling people on the phone or just chit-chatting, I had a real hard time with that. Yeah. And so I had to gain various skills to be able to communicate effectively. And I got uh, a lot of training in that line. I, I actually was trained as a, uh, a certified uh, teacher at Michigan, and I got a, a master's in audiovisual education from Michigan, and then I decided to study uh, voice acting, you know, all those people, oh. commercials and stuff. And I just, you know, getting into voice acting is no easier than getting into acting. Mm -hmm. But I'm really glad that I did it because people... You know, sometimes they can have a wonderful message, but if they get up there and they're talking in a terrible tone of voice and they're talking in a monotone, they sound boring. Exactly. And some people just turn it off because the way they're saying it, the voice kind of makes them go. Ugh. 
Yeah. So that's, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the other thing is I'm also a trained singer. So I have people come to, I hate how I sound. I don't want to make a video. I don't want to. So what I love to do when, when people come to me, I help them in basically three basic ways. First of all, with what the message is, because that's the key. Knowing you have something valuable to say, knowing that you that there are people who need what you have to offer, knowing you have an obligation to share it with people, that's important. That's the the message is the foundation of your confidence. Absolutely. But the second thing is how you present it, and there's two ways. One is the written, and of course we've all gotten these uh, emails that I call the big blob of text in a small font that the human cannot read. Or we go to a lecture and and we're looking at the slides and it's what I call death by PowerPoint. (laughs) So how you present things visually is really important. And how you do it orally. There are studies that show that people get more meaning from the tone of your voice Mm -hmm. than the actual words. Wow, how about that? Yeah. Really? 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 That's <laughs> true. What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? See that? Yeah, you can say things so many different ways. Yeah. So, so helping people with the vocal variety and rehearsing with it so that it really, the my, my singing teacher, who's a former opera singer, taught, told me something really interesting. You know, opera singers are are trained at a very high level, Mm -hmm. but when they learn a new part to present, they don't consider it what my my teacher calls in their voice, like they really own it, Mm -hmm. until they have sung it at least 60, six zero times. Wow. So one of the things, yeah. So once I've worked with people online, we share a Google Doc, I help them with their message. And is there, I'm helping them upgrade their message. I help them with rehearsing. And the more they rehearse it, and I give them all kinds of techniques. I am not one of these, I'll stand in front of the mirror and say, oh, God, how boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could never get myself to do that. Why would I expect somebody else to do it? Right. Uh, so, you know, but I give them rehearsal techniques. And the thing is that the more people say the message, the more they own it in their voice, the more secure they feel about sharing it. And I'll share you a story. Can I share you a story story about somebody who came to me? Absolutely. I love stories. Absolutely. Okay. So this guy, I met him at a, uh, one of these speed networking things. And this was before the pandemic. I go into this room, there's a, you know, there's a whole bunch of 10 foot tables stretched out with seats all on one side and seats all on the other side. And people on the one side are just sitting and people on the other side, every two minutes, there's (laughs) removing. I was on the every two minutes side. So I, you know, about three or four months later, I get a call from the guy who says his name is Michael. Do I remember him? (laughs) No way do I remember him. But he said, you know, he evidently had given my car to his wife, and he was invited to give a talk at a very important event that was very important to him. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, that he was so 
frightened of public speaking. If he got up before a group, he couldn't even see the audience. It was like a gray wall or the fuzz you used to see in TVs, you know, when there was no signal. So, all right, so fine. I said, you know, I let's start with your message. And we shared a Google Doc. I always have people uh, record mm-hmm. the session so that anything I share, if they need to hear it again, they can go back. And so he sends me, uh, I shared this Google Doc. He puts his message in there. Terry, <laughs> let me tell you what happened. <laughs> I read it. I read it again. I read it a third time. And when I got together with Michael, I said, Michael, I need to give you a little tough love. <laughs> so when I was a student at Michigan, I took a philosophy course, and I found those guys easier to understand than your message. And if I can't understand it, reading it, nobody's going to understand it. But you've got some good ideas. Let's do a little dental work. Pick up your three most important ideas. And we created this wonderful talk. And the funny thing is, he was telling me the story. He says, do you think I should include this story? I said, yeah, that's what people remember. <laughs> yeah, people love stories. We do. Yeah. Yep. So he he took what I call, I have an accelerator emergency program. He was, you know, he was in a state of emergency, but we did all of his sessions were as quickly as possible. Right. He was scheduled to give this talk after our last session together. And, I, and our second to last se- session, I said, Michael, I want you to promise me without fail, that you will call me after you've given this talk and tell me how it goes. Mm-hmm. Okay. The last session, Terry, you'll never believe what happens. He says, Marjorie, you'll never guess what happened. I don't know. What happened? <laughs> he said he went to this set, to the meeting before the one where he was supposed to speak. And the event organizer came up to him. Now, I've invent, uh, chaired events. What is the worst nightmare of an event organizer? So your program doesn't show up. Definitely, whoever was supposed to speak at that meeting did not show up. Oh, my gosh. So she asked Michael if he could give his talk a month earlier. And he said he immediately got really nervous. And he heard my voice in his ear, stop running horror movies in your mind. (laughs) Right. Right. And he went up there. He had rehearsed it so much, so often. He said he just gave it, and he got huge applause. Wow. Wow. That's great. And I and I, I was so proud of him. Yeah. And you know what? I think people don't realize, you know, if you're going to be making a very, very important speech like that, you better get some help with it if you've never done that. You don't want to bomb on a stage like that. So, and look what he got help and look what he did. He did great. Well, the other piece of it is sometimes people think all they need to do is create the message. Right. And they forget about the importance of rehearsing it and figuring out how they're gonna use their voice. And what I like to do when I'm working with somebody is once they've you know figured out some piece of it, I will, share how I might say it as a voice actor using vocal variety and stresses and pauses and so forth. And I always say, you're not going to sound like me. Right. But I want you to get an idea of how you can use your voice more effectively. Mm -hmm. And one of the points of rehearsing, one of the, is, is to, you know, play around. 
Where do you want to emphasize? Where do you want to pause? Let me share, uh, if I may, a an important trick or with audiences, you know, people listening. The most underused vocal piece of variety is the pause. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it can be so effective when it's used properly. And you know what really annoys me? What the worst? Somebody asks a question, mm -hmm. and they don't give the audience time to think about it. Right. So, you know, you open up, it's an open loop of the brain, and people are thinking about the act, answer. And if you're going on talking, they're not listening to you. No, no. Think about their answer. And when you say something that you really want to sink in, pause. Let it sink in. Right. It is so important that I just don't know why more people don't do it. But you're right. It is very underused. Well, do you want to know where you can go to study people who do a pause really well? No, where? Go listen to videos of comics. Ah. Yeah. Comics always pause mm -hmm. before the punchline. Mm -hmm. They make you wait for it. Right. And if they don't make you wait for it, it's not as funny. That's right. That's right. It's they call it stepping on the punchline or some some such phrase like that. Uh -huh. But comedians are ones who really know how to use a pause effectively. They use a lot of speaking patterns effectively, not just the pause. So I think if you need to be on a public stage for whatever reason, especially if it's associated with your job it would do you a world of good to watch comedians and see how they move, how they say things, what they say, the speed they use, because they slow things down sometimes as well. I think it would really help speakers. Yeah, and it's interesting because I'm on a lot of networking uh, event, a lot of networking events, and these people say the name of their business so quickly. Oh, I know, I know. You can't hear it. Power and vocal power. What? what? <laughs> right. I know. I didn't eat that. I'm listening to podcasts all the time and they're giving out their website. And I'm trying to write it down and they just so fast. You should say it and you should spell it. And then you can say it again. But they don't. They don't. Yeah. Well, my. So let me say my business name properly because this is what I want people to have. This is why I named my business Vibrant Vocal Power. That's what I want people to have, Vibrant yes. Vocal Power. And my website, in case you hadn't guessed, is VibrantVocalPower.com. Yeah, very easy and easy to remember. Yeah, the other thing is people are very bad at when they leave phone messages. You know, they're talking along and then they say, and my phone number is blue. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. Okay, so here's another handy hint for your audience. When you are leaving a message for anybody, you start out, this is, hi, this is Marjorie Salson of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Say your phone number slowly enough so people can write it down. Mm -hmm. Say your brief message. And then, once again, this is Marjorie Salson. Right. Number, 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 number. Slowly enough, because people will... First of all, they may not have a pen or pencil or paper when you are reading your message, 
or they may, you know, kind of get it sorted down. But then with, when you repeat it, they can double check to make sure they have their, your number correctly. Yes. Because if they don't have your number correctly, <laughs> they're not going to call you back. And, and, you know, sometimes you get a message and you listen to it, you know, like three times and try and decipher the, the, the numbers from the garble you're listening to. Yep, exactly. I don't know why people do that, but they do it all the time, all the time. Yeah, yeah. So what other tips do you have for someone who's not used to speaking in front of a group, um, something that will help them stay more relaxed before they have to speak? Okay, so uh, when you feel nervous, you feel it in your body. You feel all of this energy circulating. Right. It's your brain that decides, am I excited or am I nervous? Am I afraid or am I excited? They're two sides of the same coin. They mm -hmm. feel the same in your body. You get to decide huh? which you are. <laughs> I hope you decide you're excited because we have all heard speakers speak who have absolutely no enthusiasm <laughs> or excitement in their voice. And like I said before, they're boring. Absolutely. <laughs> the other thing to remember is deep breathing gives your body a message that you are safe. And it takes your focus off of your nerves and onto breathing. And when I say deep breathing, I mean expanding your entire rib cage, filling your entire rib cage, not just shallowly, because when we're nervous, we tend to just breathe shallowly. Right. And the other advantage of the deep breathing is that gives your voice much more resonance. Mm. You are supporting the sound with the air. Think of your voice like a pipe organ. What makes sound in the pipes? Air. Air, yeah. And what do we say about a good singer? A good singer has good pipes. Good pipes, you're right. We do say that. <laughs> so deep breathing will really improve the sound of your voice and help reduce your nerves at the same time. Mm. So you get a double benefit. Yeah. And, and remember this. This is really important. A lot of times we do something and the first thing we do when we're done is we start beating ourselves up. Oh my God, I can't believe that. From the little and you. First of all, no one in the audience, no one knows what you were planning to say. As long no. as it makes You're sense, right. it's fine. Right. But Dale Carnegie, more or less the founder of public speaking coaching, said there's always three speeches. The one you plan to give, the one you give, one you wish you'd given. <laughs> and funny. so one of the things that I like to share with people, and I think it's really important, is that how you evaluate what you've done is crucial. I learned this lesson in my other career as a professional volunteer, head of various groups and chairs of meetings, and we always had to evaluate, you know, so we could do better the next time. Mm -hmm. One thing I learned early on in the volunteer world is that if you criticize a volunteer, that person is gone, gone, gone. Yep. And if you criticize yourself, your desire to try again is gone, gone, gone. Yep. So this is my don't throw out the baby with the bathwater technique. 
<laughs> the first thing you ask yourself, what went right? What needs to be noted and saved and used again because it went well? Mm -hmm. Acknowledge yourself for the good stuff. Then never ask, by the way, never ask what went wrong. That's a way to discourage yourself. Instead, but you still want to improve, right? Right. So the other question to ask is, hmm, what needs to be improved, edited, fixed, upgraded, or maybe doesn't fit here at all and can be used somewhere else? Right. When you do this, you build on what's good and you expand what's good. Mm-hmm. And you expand your willingness to try again. Why would anybody try again if they're beating themselves up for being horrible? It's a good way to, to uh, stop yourself in your tracks. Right. Why not acknowledge yourself for having, even if nothing else, oh, God, I'm so proud of myself. I did that. I was so nervous. I'm so proud of myself. I actually made myself do it. Yay. Yes, you should celebrate that because that first time is always the hardest. And so it is something. You had the courage, you should always celebrate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So would you ever, like if you're in a business situation, would you ever give your audience evaluation sheets to evaluate your speech? Or is that a no-no in your eyes? I, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't think I would. Okay. I, I, I'm a big believer in having my own mentor and continuing to grow. Mm -hmm. Once I read that Luciano Pavarotti, probably one of the greatest tenors in the history of the world, always had a singing teacher. You know? Oh, yeah. Yep. And, and you look at these, you know, tennis players, they're center court of Met Wimbledon. They have coaches. You look at these skaters at the Olympics, they have coaches. Those are the people you want to hear from. Yes. The tough people do have coaches because you have to tweak and improve as you go if you want to be number one and you need a coach for that, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And and the thing is, one of the things that keeps people uh, from trying is they're afraid of being criticized. Yes. And so if you open up the door, you get these people that I call Billy Bullies or Sally Snipers. <laughs> there are certain types of people in this world. I personally think they don't feel much very good about themselves. So to make themselves feel better, they they start criticizing other people or right. bullying them or whatever. And so, you know, those people, you know, do you? I is I tell people if somebody does, starts doing that to you, ask yourself the first question to ask yourself: Do you respect this person's opinion? And if you don't, that person's opinion is none of your business. It's all yep. about your stuff. Yep. Doesn't matter. Yep. Now, there are some people who will share something with you that's uh, that's worth listening to. They may not have a very, I, I call it a good idea dressed up in unfortunate language. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way of putting it. <laughs> But, you know, see, you know, think about it, you know, maybe there's something that, you know, that you can learn from this person, because unless you feel that you are perfection itself, which of course isn't possible, yes. there's always something there new to learn, which for me is one of the reasons I find life very interesting. I don't understand people who get bored. Me either. I'm the same way. There's so much to learn and do, and I'm always trying to improve. So I don't get it either. 
I'm always wanting to learn. I take courses online. I work with people. So I don't understand people who don't want to do that. I don't. Yeah, well, people hate to be wrong or uh, they they just, uh, it's truth. It's maybe they've had teachers that were negative or they were experienced a lot of criticism growing up. Could be. So, you know, that's, that's a tender place. Right, right. But if there's something you want to do as a business person, it, it is so good to have a coach. And it's funny because my daughter works in interior design and she was moving up the ranks. She's now the head designer. She finally got the company to pay someone to come in and coach her because she had never worked as a manager before. Like, you don't just learn how to manage people on your own. You need help with that. So they sent her to some courses and they had her work with the coach and it made the biggest difference. It really did. Yeah. Well, you know, they say you know, the old joke is is promoting people to the to the level of their incapacity. Right. <laughs> yep. The Peter principle, I think it's called. Yep. Something. Yeah. Whatever. Yep. So, but if, you know, if you can help them learn and grow, then many of them can do it, but sometimes they can't. They were better as the salesperson, put them back. They're not good as the manager. Yeah. We are, each have our zone of genius, as it were, our, our area where we're, our area of expertise. Yep. And, uh, you know, you, you don't want to put us, uh, you know, a round circle in a square, a square hole. Right. Square peg in a round hole, whatever. However, the saying goes. Yep, that's absolutely true. So I understand you have a free gift for my audience. Can you describe it and tell them where to go to get it? And then also tell them where they can buy your book if you're if they're interested in that as well. Okay, well, easy. The book is on Amazon. Good. <laughs> okay. The, the free gift I have, I created this because I really think that being on a podcast is a wonderful way to reach out to other people's audiences. Mm -hmm. And so, but there's a, there's an art to being on a hot podcast. You cannot expect the host of the podcast to do research and create a stellar bio that brags about how wonderful you are. So you don't have to do it to sound like a narcissist uh, or show off. Uh, and who does, you know, you, there's, you need to figure out what do you want to say? Right. What do you want to share? And then you reverse engineer the questions so that the the host has a chance to ask you some things about your area of expertise because you don't want to look stupid. Right. Want, <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is, you, is there's a list of the information you should provide, uh, your phone number, you know, text, if, you know, you want you love it. You want to have the the number of whoever you're uh, inviting you. So, God forbid your internet goes out. Terry was just telling me a horror story. Happened yesterday. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, all the information, contact information, and so the name of this free gift is how to prepare for an irresistible interview. And you can find it by going first of all my website URL vibrantvocalpower.com forward slash interview. Doesn't that make sense? 
so easy. That makes it so easy. Yep. So what's in there is the, the, the information that you should give to the podcast hosts. Right. And a sample of, I think, like seven or nine generic questions that you can adapt for your own business. And if you are a podcast host and having trouble getting information from your guests, you can give them a list and say, this is the contact information I want. This is the bio I want. I want the headshot. And, yep. and, and I want questions along these lines. So that when you're the host, you make your job as host much easier. So it's both for the podcast guests right. and for podcast hosts who want to make sure their guests give them the information that they need to do their job as well and also as easily as possible. Yes, absolutely. The easier you make it, they might want to have you back again because you made it so easy and you might have new information six or eight months from now. So the easier you make it for the host, yes, absolutely. You might be invited back again. Yes, and if you are coming across as a professional and as an expert. Yes, absolutely. So I did get, you sent me that list and it was so, so helpful. I love it. Sometimes I have to kind of pull things from my guests. You know, I need a headshot. Don't forget to send me the headshot. Don't forget to send me this, all your contact information because everything for my guests are always in the show notes. So I have their website, all their contact information, all in the show notes. So because a lot of times when people are listening to podcasts, they're exercising, they're folding laundry, they're doing dishes, they're doing something around the house, maybe or outside, and they don't have a place to write anything down. So they always want to be able to go back and look at the show notes to get the information. So it's very helpful. Well, I'm a big believer in easy and being well organized. Yes. And so the point of this whole report at vibrantvocalpower.com forward slash interview is to make it easy to be a good guest. Yep. And make it easy to you know, make it easier to be a good host. Yeah. It makes it easier all around and it makes it easier to listen to because the right questions are asked and there's a nice back and forth and it just makes it more professional. You're right. And then people like to listen to podcasts that are more professional. Right. That, that that's my goal is to help people come into the power of their voice and use it effectively on stage, online, on podcasts, on interviews. Right. And just networking. I mean, there's so many places that we can use this information today. And I'm, I'm telling you, young people really need your help. I mean, boomers, there's always some boomers who need it, but young people don't even know how to speak on the phone anymore. They are frightened to death to have to pick up the phone and call someone. They don't know how to converse. So I mean, this would be great for someone young who's maybe going out on job interviews and doesn't know how to do that either. It doesn't have to be just public speaking. How do I do a good job interview so I get the job? I've always been very good at that. So I've gotten most jobs that I really wanted, but some people are just horrible at it. That's one of the things I help people with is preparing for a job interview. Ugh. What do you do if they ask you a question and you don't know the answer and you don't want to look stupid? I mean, all those kinds of things that people worry about. Right, right. And, you know, sometimes just a couple good tips can help you relax and learn to enjoy the interview. Because the more relaxed and the more you enjoy it, the better chances of getting hired. 
because every time I'm hired, it's because they liked me. They liked my personality. I was relaxed. They were relaxed. So it wasn't always because I was the right fit job-wise. They figured they can train me for that, but they felt like I could get along with people and they they liked me. They have to like you before they hire you. So um, I think you could help a lot of younger people going out for that first interview after college because it's not taught in college. So they kind of have to learn it themselves. So yeah, you would be very, so anyone listening who has grandchildren that are going out on their first interviews and they're just frightened to death, have them call Marjorie and get some help with that. That this Marjorie can help so many different people. Like I said, not just public speaking, but networking or interviewing. There's so many different ways Marjorie can help. So if you're listening and you have some grandchildren that you know are just terrified, why not give them some um, interviews with Marjorie, some coaching with her so that they can be more relaxed and have a better chance of being hired? By the way, younger people aren't the only ones who are really worried about networking. That's true. Every client, practically every client I've been working with lately has wanted me to help them get their uh, juju back for going out. And You want me to go and talk to people and strangers? I'm crazy. Right. It is hard when you enter this whole room of strangers and you have to figure out who you want to talk to and what you want to say. You're right. And the thing is that we've been living in Hollywood squares, so to speak, for so long that people are out of the habit of connecting they are personally and so it's not simply young people who are challenged with this a lot of my uh, uh, a lot of my clients they come to me for messaging and stuff and i, I remember this one guy he he was a brilliant 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 guy i helped him with his presentation and he was going to give it and then he was scared to death going into a breakout room Oh my gosh! And you know, and that's where you—that's where you meet your potential businesses in those rooms, or or what I call the meeting in between or after the meeting. You know, chatting at at meals or after the meeting's over, or the parking lot meeting. Right, they're the most important. You're so right. That's where you really make the one-on-one connection. Yeah. So it's not simply young people. Older people have gotten out of the habit of we talking have. to people yes. in person, face-to-face. Oh, that, my God. And that is true. And, and you know, COVID them. did a job on all of us because we weren't with people for, what, a year and a half, almost two years? So it has, even if you were used to it before, you've gotten out of the habit, and now you're like, oh, no, what do I do now? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of things. I, that's why I say and maintain that public speaking is anytime you talk to someone other than yourself. That's true. And seeing that public speaking on the list of fears, is in some some uh, studies, is listed higher than death. Right. It ha- I know. Some say it's the number one fear. I've yeah. never been afraid of it, but a lot of people are petrified. Yeah. Ju- uh, uh, actually, Jerry Seinfeld has a very u- funny YouTube video on this very topic. <laughs> and he, he points out that many people are more fear, afraid of death than of public speaking. And he goes on to mention that means at a funeral, they would rather be the body in the box than the person delivering the eulogy. 
Oh my gosh, that's terrible. Oh my gosh. That, not a good place to be in. Now, I'm going to have to look that up. That sounds funny. Well, did you notice how I paused before the punchline? Yes, I did. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Marjorie. This has been so entertaining and valuable at the same time. And I think when you put those two together, it's so helpful for people. So I know my audience is going to have a lot of fun listening to us, and yet they're going to have a lot of takeaways that are going to be very helpful. And hopefully the ones that have important speaking engagements coming up or networking or whatever, hopefully they'll call you to get some help. I'm delighted to help people. Good. I'm glad to hear that. And thank you so much for joining us today on Kick-Ass Boomers. It's been great. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old. Looking to take your podcast to the next level with video? Are you looking to develop a podcast but don't know where to start? From recording and editing to final distribution and marketing, we can help every step of the way to make your podcast stand out and get the results it deserves. Contact us today at premierpodcastpros.com to take your podcast to the next level.